0: Hi, I'm Joel McMahon, pastor at St. Philip United Methodist Church and I welcome you to this latest podcast from St. Philip. Before we go any further, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Oh Lord, this is the day that you have made and we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Some of us are are blessed and we're thankful for our blessings. Some of us are facing different challenges in life and we're so thankful that we don't go through them alone, but we have you to go through uh, them with us. And we pray for your help as we face them, and we're gonna give you the glory for helping us with them. Lord, we thank you that we can uh, uh, learn from your word today, and we pray, Lord, that you will be with us and help us to take from it today exactly what you'd have us take from it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, our scripture lesson today is found in Luke, the ninth chapter. We're going to be reading the 51st through the 56th verses. That's uh, 9, 51 through 56. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was, he was determined to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead of him, And they went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and to consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today. And now I'd like to uh, share with you a poem. It's called The Dash by Linda Ellis. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of her birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent a life on earth. And now only those that loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? for you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real, and always try to understand the way other people feel, and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more, and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before, if we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash It's a wonderful poem, and it brings home a truth. If you look at most any tombstone in any cemetery, you'll find these items, name, date of birth, and date of death, and life gets summed up by a small dash between the dates. But have you ever thought that Jesus has a dash? He has a time when he was born and then he lived on this earth, and then he died on the cross before he went to heaven. Yes, he was born at a specific point in time, and he died on the cross at a specific point in time, but we also know that he was alive with the Father in heaven for eons before he was born and he still lives today and he's presently seated at the right hand of God the Father, and that he's gonna return someday to judge both the living and the dead. But Jesus has a dash. Just like we're living in our dash right now, Jesus lived in a dash. And his dash was important and is important because his dash was spent letting us know how we should spend our dash and showing us how to spend our dash. When you think about it, there are some things that we don't have any control over in life. We didn't get to decide where we were born or who our parents are. In his grace, in his prevenient grace, God decided those things for us. And we shouldn't question them. He arranged for you just you to be born where you were, when you were, to the parents that you have. We don't get to decide those things because God in his plan for you, in his unique plan for you, he in his grace has set things up. We don't know when our time on earth will be up. Only God knows those things. But there is one thing that we have some control over. He has allowed us to decide how we're going to use our dash, the time between the two dates of our earthly existence. Now, one of the most amazing epiphanies that I ever had in my life happened one night when I was a kid, laying in bed just thinking about stuff, and all of a sudden I realized that I always have the power of choice. And let me tell you, you always have the power of choice. It matters not where you are, what circumstances you're in. You have the power of choice. I do what I do because I choose to do it. You do what you do moment by moment because those are decisions that you've made. What you do is what you choose to do. I realized that if I was in a marching band and we were marching, I could skip if I wanted to. Yeah, there'd be repercussions and I could choose not to skip or I could choose to skip and face the repercussions. But you see, I do have a choice. I have a choice right now as to whether I just stand up in front of you and sing God Bless America or keep on with this message. It's my choice. We always have a choice, and at any moment, we all have an endless array of choices as to what we choose to do or not to do. What is it, if you're in church on Sunday morning, what is it that keeps you in your seat listening to the message instead of standing up and belting out tiptoe through the tulips in your best little tiny Tim voice? It's your power of choice. You choose not to. Some of you may feel boxed in, and you may feel like you don't have any choices or power in your life, but you do. You choose. You have tremendous power over how you spend the time you have from this moment on until the day you die. You have tremendous power over your dash. God has given it to you. So what are you spending yours on? Are you living in the dash that is your life, knowing fully who you are and why you're here? Or are you chasing uh, things that really don't matter? As a pastor, I've had the privilege to minister to many people in the last days of their lives And I've noticed some common characteristics uh, among people who are aware that they don't have much time. Uh, They have an amazing clarity about how they want to live. They focus on their relationships, saying the things they'd always wanted to say. They forgive and they ask for forgiveness. They don't waste time because they know there's not much of it left. Now, I wanna challenge you to do something that I promise uh, that uh, is going to be a wonderful thing if you will do it. Live the next 30 days as if they were your last, not because you're gonna die in a month, Lord willing, you're gonna leave many, many more years, but just be conscious of the time. I learned a long time ago that a life is as long as it's lived. I've had dear uh, relatives and friends die in their 30s. I have known children who died still in infancy. And it caused me many years ago to struggle with how long is a life. And I discovered a life is as long as it's lived. It's as long as the span of time between those dashes. That's all we have. We don't know how much it will be. I remembered as I was preparing for this message this morning, a dear friend of mine who's now gone on to be with the Lord, and I know that's where he is. He lived to be 36 years old, and I went to visit him in the last days that he had left. He was in a hospital. He uh, had lived to be 36 years of age with cystic fibrosis. Most people with cystic fibrosis back at that time were dead by the time they were 12 years old. And somehow, uh, my friend Kenny had lived to this point in his life. And as I went to visit with him, it became a blessing to me. Kenny and I had gone to the same church and we even had the same first grade teacher. He's the first kid I ever saw get a spanking for misbehaving in school. Uh, He was a guy that was just full of life. He had a hard time sitting still. And even laying there in uh, the hospital bed, having to take oxygen, he beamed. There was a joy about Kenny And you know what? It was a joy that he had because he knew that even though he didn't have much time left here on earth, he knew that when he died, he was going to heaven. He knew that Jesus was his savior and he knew that death was a gateway into eternal life and he didn't fear death. And because he had no fear of death, he could enjoy each moment. He enjoyed being with his nurses that were taking care of him. They were just flabbergasted by his beaming, upbeat spirit. He ministered to them, laying there in a hospital bed. He didn't have much light left, but the light that he saw he had shone Brightly. And that is something that we can do. You see, it's not a matter of how much stuff you have in this world. It's not a matter of what you accumulate. It's not your position in life that makes you a big person and that makes you loom high in the memories of others. What it is, is how you have spent your dash. There was a newly hired salesman that stunned his superiors with his first report because it revealed that he was just almost illiterate. He wrote, i seen this outfit who ain't never got a dime's worth of nothing from us and sold him some goods. But before he could be fired (coughs) because of his poor spelling and his language, a second letter arrived and it read, I came to Chicago and sold them a half a million. <coughs> the sales manager was just flabbergasted, and he, he, he just really had this dilemma. He just couldn't see how we could keep somebody on uh, with this sort of language and spelling. It was all atrocious, but he also had made the company a lot of money. And he didn't want to be the one to call the shot on firing this guy, so he dumped it in the president's lap. And the next day, the staff was amazed to see the salesman's letters on the bulletin board with this memo. We've been spending too much time trying to spell instead of trying to sell. I want everybody should read these letters from Gooch ...who is doing a great job, and you should go out and do like he done. Well, think about it. In the passage that we read today, we see that Jesus knew he had just a short amount of time left before he went to the cross. Now, it doesn't say that he had a short time before he went to the cross... He said that the time, it says the the time for his ascension was coming. He knew that it was close to his time of ascension. You see, he looked beyond death and he looked at his homecoming. And that's the way you should be doing too. Death should be a door to you. And if you know him as your Lord and Savior, it will be. But knowing that the time that the end of his dash was coming, what did he do? This is what we should do. He lived four different things. I'm going to cover with you this week and also next week. First of all, he lived purposely and passionately. Next, he lived completely. Third, he lived humbly, and then he left boldly. If you look in John ten ten, Jesus tells us exactly why he came. He told us his purpose in coming. He says, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." Jesus knew why he was here. He can I'm going to talk more week more next week about Jesus coming that you may have life and have it abundantly, but just know that he knew his purpose. And as we look at these four aspects of Jesus' life, I want us to see what we can draw from them on how we should be living our lives. First of all, Jesus lived passionately. Now, God wants you to live a life where you are fully who he made you to be. In 1 John 5.11, there in the Bible, we see how we're to live fully. And this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have have life. And here the Bible is telling us that you can live your life the way that God made you to live it. You can be the person that you were created to be and deep down inside you always want to be. You can really live and not just exist. You can live not wearing masks, You can live being the real you. But to live passionately, you must have the Son of God in your life. Maybe you're thinking about becoming a believer and committing your life to Christ, and and, and this sounds good to really be alive, and, and you're thinking, yeah, that's what I need to do. And then Satan whispers in your ear, What's the hurry? Not today. You can do that some other day. It's not a good day today for you. You've got some things to do that you're not going to be able to do if you make that turn. Or maybe you are a believer and you're thinking about really living all out for the Lord that you can quit pretending. And you think, I really need to do that. I need to be genuine the real me. And Satan says, yeah, but not today. This is just bad timing, buddy. Maybe someday, whenever you get some things settled, but not right now. Now you see, God's favorite word is today. Satan's favorite word is someday. We can get stuck in what you could call the someday syndrome. Someday, when things settle down, I'll really live for the Lord. Someday, uh, when work isn't so busy, I'll spend more time with the kids. Someday, when I get that promotion and I'm making more money, then I'm really going to enjoy life, and I'm going to start dedicating time to the things that I really should be dedicating to now. Folks, we need to realize that, This is life. Today is life. It's beautiful and wonderful and painful and frightening. It's exhilarating and awe-inspiring, all at the same time. Now is life. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now is life. But so many people I know are really waiting to live instead of really living right now in this life that they have. Have you seen the commercial where the dad is pushing his little boy in the swing and he he pushes him out and when he comes back, he's transformed into a 180-pound teenager that just clobbers his dad and knocks him to the ground. And then it says life comes at you fast. I can relate. It seems like only the other day that I was the father of preschoolers and had a lot more hair. This past week, I became a great-grandfather, and I just wonder where all the time went. We vastly overestimate the power of tomorrow, and we can get stuck in the someday syndrome. We can vastly overestimate the power of yesterday and get stuck in our guilt and our regrets over the past. But let me tell you, the Lord is calling you. You have now, and you have what follows now. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and truly live it instead of waiting for tomorrow. Let your light shine, and let his light shine into your heart right now. Next, Jesus loved completely. Look at what Jesus did when he knew he had only a short time left. In John 13, 1, it says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the father. You see, again, his dash, he knows there's a to be continued after the dash. He's going to his father, but he knows that his dash is going to come to an end. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. If you knew you only had one month to live, you most likely would want to do the same thing. You would want to love completely. You would say the things that you've always wanted to say and do the things you've always wanted to do. You would focus on relationships and express your love to those closest to you. Jesus summed up the entire Bible in a couple of verses in Matthew 22:37 37 through 39, he tells us how we're to live our dash. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus lived his dash. He showed us how to love God with all our heart, all of it. And he also showed us how to love those people around us, just like we love ourselves. At the end of life, it's not going to matter how much money's in the bank or how many awards you've won or how many goals you've achieved. All that will matter is did you love? Did you love people? Did you love God with all your heart? And did you show people your love? Did you show the Lord your love with your dash? All the flowers at their funeral aren't gonna mean a thing. Who do you need to show that you love today? Love is an action. Who do you need to show love to? Who do you need to give love to? so it can become real. There's a person that is very, very close to me who is a counselor for a living. And she was sharing with me just last week about how astonished she has become at all the people that she has countered who have never had anyone tell them the words, I love you you. In their whole life, they have never heard those words addressed to them. There may be people in your life that haven't heard you say those words to them, people, and you need to tell them. People need to hear that. They need to know that they're loved by people around them. They need to know that they're loved by the Lord and they need to hear it from you. Sometimes they need Jesus with skin on. That's you doing what you can for them and helping them. God placed you on this earth to love, and uh, you're never going to really live until you love. And let me tell you this, you can't love with bitterness in your heart. We have a world that is just filled with bitterness right now. Uh, You cannot love with bitterness. Bitterness, even if it's someone that you do love, if bitterness arises, it puts up a barrier and keeps you from loving them. And you're not going to be able to love them again until that bitterness is gone. And so you need to set aside that bitterness, not take into account a wrong suffered. Forgive those that you're holding grudges against, those that have hurt you. Live like Jesus lived. One of the last things that he did when he was hanging on that cross was the tremendous act of love in praying for his uh, tormentors and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus had already forgiven them. He's already forgiven you for the things that you're doing wrong to him, even as you're sitting here and you haven't asked him for to forgive you. The thing is, is that bitterness puts up a barrier. And, uh, and so I just think about this. When you're watching TV and you're watching the news, if you feel bitterness arise in your heart, get rid of it. If you're around a relative that that's always trying to call you grief and you feel bitterness arising, get rid of it and just love. Choose to love instead of hate. You need to start doing that now. Life is too short. Don't waste it on bitterness. Spend it in your dash. Jesus also lived humbly, and uh, I'm just going to, uh, he is such an example of humility, and I'm going to be speaking more about this this next week, because I just don't have time to go into it so completely, but, uh, I'm, so I'm going to leave that for next week, but Jesus left boldly, the last thing we want to talk about today. Jesus was focused on his mission, mission on earth and he knew why he was here. Now I love the sense of urgency that we find in Luke 9.51, which we read earlier. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He resolutely kept on doing the things that he knew he was supposed to be doing. There was no hesitation or reservation. He was resolute in fulfilling the purpose for which he came. If you knew you only had a short time to live, you would be resolved to finalize your purpose. You wouldn't waste time or energy on things that didn't really matter but you would look for ways to leave a lasting legacy. You would prepare for eternity and you would leave a good memory of you behind. There's something that tells us there is more to life than just the here and now. We were made for eternity, but we were also made to live a legacy. We were made to leave a legacy. Listen to what it says in Matthew 25:23 his master replied, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, there are a lot of people telling you how to live your life today. But at the end of your life, there's only one opinion that matters, and that's, your heavenly father's opinion, you're living really before an audience of one and your heavenly father is saved, you wanna hear him say, well done. You've lived the life that I created you for. God is not gonna look at you and say, why weren't you more like Billy Graham? You should have been more like Billy Graham. God's not gonna look at you and say, why weren't you more like this guy or this gal? He's gonna say, why weren't you more of who I made you to be? Why didn't you live the life I made you to live? Let your light shine, folks. Be like Kenny. Just know that there's better ahead and you can enjoy living in the moment and you can be a blessing in the moment. It's not the stuff that you accumulate in life that makes life living. It's how you love and how you let that light shine. Just think of the people that are big in your memory. Who are those that are large in your memory that are a blessing when you think of them? I bet you they're not those people that were self-centered and tried to get things out of you all the time. I'll tell you, one of the people that looms large in my heart is a lady that lived her whole life never having much of anything at all. Her name was Alberta, and she was my my grandparents' maid. Uh, she was, she'd been with the family so long, she raised my father, and my aunt and my aunts and uncle. She raised them and she raised us grandkids in the time that we spent over at our grandparents' house and I lived in the same town. I spent a lot of time at grandpa and grandma's house and it was also Alberta's house. She's the one who taught me how to cook. She's the one who taught me how to transplant uh, rose bushes and things in the garden, how to gather things out of a garden. She's the one who uh, taught me so much about life. And she showed me what patience was like, and she patiently showed me how to make uh, biscuits from scratch just on a countertop without even using a bowl. She was a patient and a loving person, and she loved. And she knew how to show love. When I was ill, I could always count on Alberta walking all the way across town because she didn't drive to bring me a bowl of egg custard that she just made because she knew I loved egg custard and she knew it was good for me and I could handle it. That's love. How many people are going to remember us for our acts of love? How many of us are going to be remembered for that great light that we shine because we're like Kenny? The next 30 days, this is your challenge. No matter how little light you have, let it shine. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, uh, we'd love to have you come and visit with us at our church in San Philip sometime. If not, I hope that we'll be with you again through this way next week. Until then, goodbye and God bless.